What is going on, Yankee fans? Jeremy Laracuente here for the Pinstripe Plunge Report podcast. I want to thank you guys for joining me. Now, as we get into this week's episode, there's a couple of topics I want to talk about, a couple of things that I want to discuss. Now, obviously, the big news is that baseball is delayed. We covered it extensively on the Baseball Banter broadcast on YouTube, even more so on the Baseball Banter broadcast podcast that came out today as well. So make sure you check out those links to both the YouTube channel and the uh, regular podcast about all things baseball will be linked down in the show notes below. So um, on this particular episode, I want to discuss a couple of things surrounding the Yankee universe. Obviously, there's a lot to be excited about once we finally get a season. So I don't want to harp too much on the negative on this particular episode. I think that there's already a lot that I've had to say on, you know, baseball being locked out on those other platforms, on those other channels. So Today, we're going to discuss a couple of things going on around the Yankee universe, and then I want to focus specifically on the shortstop situation and the first base situation for the New York Yankees. We spoke about it a bit last week, but I kind of want to dive in a little bit deeper on a couple of players. So uh, first things first, it was reported um, that a uh, someone asked Brett Gardner's representative uh, Joe Bick, his agent, if Gardner was still planning to play in 2022. Um, he said, you know, that his client was preparing to play in 2022 and would obviously prefer to stay with the Yankees for his entire career, be a lifelong Yankee. But that will not preclude him necessarily from signing on with a club to play Major League Baseball in 2022, given that we would have a season, obviously. Um, so, I just want to talk about Gardy for a bit. I think that, you know, there's a lot of back and forth when it comes to Brett Gardner. I think that for the early parts of his career, he was, you know, an internet darling. Like we absolutely were pulling for Brett Gardner, his speed. There was something different about Gardner compared to the rest of the lineup. And here we are all these years later, and there's still something different about Brett Gardner than everybody else in the lineup. And it is that speed factor, obviously. Gardner can play. You know, in center field, they have him play predominantly left field. Um, I think in a pinch, if you need to, depending on the ballpark, you can put him out in right field as well. Like I think about when the Yankees are in Boston, if you were to have, you know, let's say uh, uh, giving Aaron Judge a half day off as a DH, you put Gardner in right field, have Hicks in center, a healthy Aaron Hicks, because we have to preface it by saying that much to begin with, um, or even switch that around. You put Hicks, who has obviously the much better arm, in right field to make kind of those crazy powerful throws that we've seen him make in the past. You have Gardner in center, and then you have a guy like John Carlos Stanton playing in left field. But regardless, whether or not Gardy comes back to the New York Yankees, I think that the the biggest issue with Brett Gardner, right, on the 2022 version of the New York Yankees is that the injury concern, right, surrounding players like Aaron Hicks, you know, being able to make sure that we have a healthy Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stanton all season long. The fact that we have Joey Gallo for another year. So to me, Gardner, if he's the fourth, maybe even fifth outfield option, seems like a solid fit depending on how much it's going to cost. But I also feel that that's going to preclude people like Estevan Florial from getting their opportunity, right? And I think that's the biggest conversational point right now about Brett Gardner is the fact that Bringing Gardy back 
right, as the last, you know, remaining member actively playing from that 2009 World Series, the last time the Yankees won the championship. Bringing Gardner back would not allow some of these younger stars that were hoping to have a more prominent position going forward for the organization that opportunity. You know, bringing back Gardner makes it so that a guy like Florial doesn't get an opportunity. Bringing back Gardner is part of the reason why the Yankees were so willing to to cut Clint Frazier. And, you know, while Frazier in and of itself is a whole nother topic to discuss, but I think that it's because of guys like Brett Gardner that Clint Frazier didn't really get a full-fledged opportunity. Now, yes, Frazier probably isn't going to be a guy who can man center field for the Yankees, but I think that there was, you know, potential to to kind of work Clint Frazier in a bit more if we didn't have a guy like Gardner on the roster. So I think going into 2022, we're likely going to see Brett Gardner play for a different team. And I think that that's going to be, you know, a a general consensus amongst Yankee fans. I also think that it's probably not going to hurt anybody, uh, you know, listening, that it's not really going to hurt Yankee fans to not have Brett Gardner in a Yankee uniform in 2022. Do I think that it is sad for Brett Gardner not to be a career-long Yankee, you know, I think possibly that could really be something that weighs on him personally. Um, I just don't see a real spot for Gardner on this 2022 roster. Now, we don't know how rosters are going to be constructed following this new CBA. If there's going to be, you know, a 12-pitcher limit, 13-pitcher limit on this 26-man roster, we don't really know how that's all fully going to shake out, right? And you have to know that you have to have some backup options on the bench, right? So you have to have a fourth outfielder. You have to have a, you know, a backup catcher. You have to have a, a you know, backup infielder. So when you when you start to build out this roster, right? And, you know, I've kind of been working on and plan to do a full-fledged uh, video on our YouTube channel, the Baseball Banter Broadcast, on who's actually going to be on the Yankees opening day roster, you know, making these kind of quote-unquote bold predictions as to who makes the roster but when you start to fill it out right and I haven't like finished the 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 idea and the listing yet as to who's going to end up where but when we add up the roster obviously Gary Sanchez is coming back as catcher Glaber Torres is set to be the second baseman you believe that DJ LeMahieu is probably going to play third base and or Gio Urshela and use the other as a utility guy right so that's four spots going right there Joey Gallo in left field, Aaron Hicks in center, Aaron Judge in right, Giancarlo Stanton DHing, right? So that's another four names. That's eight in total. You got Higashioka coming back as the backup catcher. You have to believe that Miguel Andujar is going to be featured predominantly in this lineup, in this offense, as a utility guy. They've worked him out at first base in the corner outfield spots, plus obviously a third baseman. While his defense is always going to be a question, there, there's still an opportunity for Miggy's bat as long as he's healthy to get back into the lineup, right? So now you're talking, that's what, one, two, three. That's 10 guys, right? Then you flip over to the pitching staff side. Obviously, Garrett Cole, Luis Severino, Jordan Montgomery, Domingo Herman, Nestor Cortez, uh, Lucas Litke, Clay Holmes, Jonathan Loisaga, Chad Green, Aroldis Chapman. Zach Britton's going to be hurt for a bit, uh, but at some point he's going to come back into it. Um, I'm sure I'm missing somebody. Oh, um, Peralta, uh, I believe, is still on the roster, and they re-signed Jolie Rodriguez, right? So now you're talking that's, what, 25 people? So there's really one bench spot, really, right? 
um, 24, 25 people, right? So in, in terms of, of that, now you also have the situation with Luke Voigt. You have to have a shortstop of some sort, right? So those are 25th and 26th spots on the roster. Now, um, like I said, I'll get to the first base and shortstop thing in, in just a bit, but when we look at just the basis of this roster, there's really about two, maybe three spots at best still available on this roster. And that doesn't include your first base and your shortstop. So really you have one spot, right? And it really comes down to how the rosters are going to be allowed to be constructed based on the new collective bargaining agreement whenever that gets put into place, right? Because if there's only 12 pitchers allowed, right? Now you have 14 position players. If there's 13, then there's 13, right? Because 26, that's how you do math. But when you think about the extra, the, the last spot on the roster, on the position player side, to me, it needs to be somebody that is going to be capable of giving you extra, right? That is going to be capable of giving you versatility. And... While, yes, you're going to get a little bit of versatility from Andrew Hart, but he's really there for his bat. You're going to get versatility, obviously, from DJ LeMahieu, a little bit of versatility from Gio Urshela. You know, I think Gio can probably play short second and third um, easily. Same thing for DJ, throw in first base for DJ. So there's going to be some versatility on this ball club. Joey Gallo, if you have to, can play all three outfield positions, play first base, third base, if you really, really need to. Obviously, he's a much better and gold glove caliber outfielder, so you really don't want to move him too much around there. Um, Aaron judge, obviously your everyday right fielder, John Carlos Stanton. If you're not having him DH, he's playing in the, in a corner outfield spot, Aaron Hicks, he's an outfielder Glaber. You do not want to move from second base because we've seen how atrocious his defense can be at shortstop. So, you know, there's going to be a necessity to have a player capable of giving you a lot of different options. I get, I say all this. Just to get back to the original premise, I don't think that Brett Gardner affords us that versatility. So I don't think that Gardner ends up on the Yankees 2022 roster. All right. Next up, the Yankees have hired Hensley Mullins as an assistant hitting coach. To me, this is absolutely a very, very good and completely underrated signing, in my opinion. I think that Mullins is is a guy who was up for the... Um, manager job just a couple of years ago before they brought in Aaron Boone. And I was very big on either bringing in Carlos Beltran or Hensley Mullen as the Yankee manager, even way back when, before they brought in Boone. Bringing Mullins in, his ability, his understanding of the game, and on top of that, being able to speak to literally everybody on the roster. This man speaks like five languages. It's, it's absolutely incredible to me. And to me, being able to have his mind a part of this team have his understanding, his knowledge, not to mention the other coaches that the Yankees brought in and brought up, is to me going to allow the Yankees to have a different mentality going into 2022. I think that, you know, we've heard from um, Dylan Lawson, one of the hitting, Yankee hitting coaches, and he was brought up from the minor leagues, and the, the mentality in the minor leagues was and I, I think that for any organization, this is an absolutely brilliant mentality and, and mindset to have at the plate, but it's hit strikes hard. <laughs> and when you hit strikes hard, right, there's so much in that one little mantra. There's so much in that one little statement. And I think Hen Hensley Mullins is going to continue to add to that. I also think that by bringing him in, this is going to be a guy 
who actually can replace Eric Chavez, right? And, and I made kind of a big stink on uh, one of our YouTube shorts on our on my TikTok channel about losing Eric Chavez because I thought the loss of Eric Chavez to the Mets as the hitting coach was going to really bring about a, a, a loss for two players, specifically Glaber Torres and Miguel Andujar. I think that by bringing in a guy like Hensley Mullins, who can speak to them directly, who can speak to them in, in their first language and the language that they most easily understand, but not only just in a way that they can understand it, but also present it in the, the language of baseball. This is going to be great news for them. And I think that we're going to be able to see, uh, you know, a better representation both offensively and defensively for Glaber Torres and Miguel Andujar. That's how much I, I value the opinion, the the skills and the talent of a, a guy like Hensley Mullins and bringing him in as a, as a hitting coach can help kind of mold and shape some of these guys. Again, Gary Sanchez is another guy to me that is really going to benefit from having Mullins in, in the organization and as a, a, an assistant hitting coach. So to me, Absolutely big time moves by the New York Yankees to be able to bring in a very, very, very good baseball man in Hensley Mullins. All right, as we continue looking on, um, I want to get into this whole idea of Carlos Correa as the New York Yankee shortstop. There's a lot of, you know, back and forth on, online if you look at the Yankee Twitterverse as to whether or not Carlos Correa would be a good fit for the Yankees. Now, in my offseason Yankees uh, rant video and offseason plans video um, on our Baseball Banter Broadcast YouTube channel, I I made a big point about this. Um, we spoke about it last week on the podcast, or it might have been two weeks ago on the podcast, on the Baseball Banter bro- uh, Broadcast podcast, um, and last week on the Pinstripe Plunge podcast. Carlos Correa brings an air of confidence slash borderline arrogance to the the field every time he steps on it right there's a brashness and a boldness that this player has that has been lacking from the Yankees in my opinion you know when when the Yankees were at their best one the lineup was top to bottom filled with either uh, pesky hitters right who grinded out at bats who were trying to put the bat on the ball who were trying to you know hit the ball hard somewhere right and had an understanding of what and who they were in the box, right? To me, Carlos Correa has an opportunity to be put on the forefront, the biggest stage in the Bronx, get back to being one of the biggest adversaries, one of the most you know combative players on the field, and you put him in a New York Yankees uniform, and now the world hates him, right? Even more than they already did because of the sign-stealing situation. Even more than when he started defending Jose Altuve. This is a, a guy who has a brashness, a boldness about him. This is the kind of guy that when he walks up to the plate, you know, you hear warning buzzers in, in opposing teams. You know, you, you feel that. You feel that there's something, a, a doom that's impending, right? And is it necessarily about his, you know, hitting ability all the time? No, maybe not. Maybe this isn't going to be a guy that you feel is going to be, you know, must watch at bat. 
But to me, there's a, a level of boldness that being a New York Yankee is about that Carlos Correa has for me. You know, there, there's obviously going to be people that think that Trevor Story would be a better fit, that, you know, uh, bringing in a, a stopgap shortstop, because that's going to be one of the things that I discuss on our, on our YouTube channel, the possibility that the Yankees will bring in a stopgap shortstop, somebody like an Anderson Simmons, right? Trading for somebody like a, a Isaiah Kiner-Falefa to hold the fort down for a year, maybe two, until our prospects, you know, Anthony Volpe, uh, Oswaldo Peraza, get ready to take over the position on a daily basis. To me, this mindset, this idea will hurt the New York Yankees. I don't think that a stopgap shortstop, right, as much as I love watching Andrelton Simmons play defense, his offense is absolutely putrid. There's no offensive value to a player like Andrelton Simmons. No matter how much, and let me preface, Andrelton Simmons is one of my favorite players to watch on defense. He's that good to me. I think that everything that goes to him is basically going to be caught and, and the out's going to be recorded, right? Because I think that highly of his defense. But as high as I am on Andrelton Simmons' defense, as much as I believe in his defense, his offense is the complete and utter opposite and because it's the complete and utter opposite i don't think that the yankees can truly afford to have a huge gaping hole in their lineup it's not something that they can they can feasibly handle right because essentially and, and anybody that's listened to me for any length of time you know how i feel about the universal dh how i feel that the national league style of play with the pitcher hitting is the worst thing possible, right? Having Andrelton Simmons as the New York Yankees everyday shortstop is the equivalent of having a pitcher hit. That's how I feel about it. As much as I love his defense, his offense is nothing. You know, the New York Yankees have to have that air of confidence that air of arrogance that braggadocious nature in order to truly feel like the new york yankees when other teams come to the bronx they need to have the feeling of they have to they have to worry they have to feel that they're going to be all kinds of just pain and torture for the entire series that they're in the Bronx. They have to have that feeling of emotional damage without that, without that, the Yankees don't feel like the New York Yankees. I said it last week on the podcast that the Yankees have almost gotten to a point where they're too friendly. They're too nice, right? And because of that feeling, they get overlooked. And for me, bringing in a guy like Carlos Correa brings back that arrogance, that confidence, that braggadocious nature. It brings back the feeling that the Yankees are that evil empire. 
you know, we spoke a, a lot last week on the podcast about the whole persona, the idea of the evil empire. And I just really needed to bring that back now because once this lockout is over, we're going to see a frenzy in free agency, the likes we, which we have never, ever, ever seen in baseball, right? The speed which with, with which things are going to go down, the, the velocity of things, the ferociousness of these contract negotiations are going to go at such an exponential rate that if you blink, you will miss. And the Yankees cannot afford to miss on Carlos Correa. Likewise, the Yankees cannot afford to miss on bringing in, to me, a solid first baseman. Now, yes, Luke Voigt is on the roster. Luke Voigt was omitted from my list of the potential opening day roster for the New York Yankees, and that was done on purpose. Now, I want to be clear. I love Luke Voigt. I think that given the way that this season could go, Luke Voigt, will have a very big place on a roster. I think that when healthy, Luke Voigt can be a very strong candidate for a dominant player, a very strong candidate for one of the best players, one of the best hitters in a lineup, right? On any given lineup. I also think that there's, a, you know, an ability and a, and a potential for Luke Voigt to produce on this New York Yankee lineup in 2022. But I also feel, right, that for as much as I like Luke Voigt, for as much as I believe that his bat can be a difference maker in 2022, I also feel that there's a lot of questions on Luke Voigt. And I think that if there's an opportunity for the New York Yankees to bring in a guy like Freddie Freeman, right? Who will just cost them money, nothing else but money. And then you can use Luke Voigt as a trade candidate to maybe bring in another pitcher. Maybe bring in a guy like Luis Castillo from the Cincinnati Reds. You know, be able to to try and acquire a, a starter from another squad that probably won't be competing quite as much. Using Luke Voigt as a trade chip to me, because of his potential, to me, there's a solid match to be found there. Trading Luke Voigt to the Oakland A's in exchange for Matt Olson obviously would have to be paired with some other things to make that that deal worth it for the Oakland A's. But I think that bringing in a guy like Matt Olson or, or Freddie Freeman can truly help the Yankees. Because, yes, there needs to be balance in this lineup, and they are still very right-handed heavy going into the 2022 campaign, even though we have Joey Gallo in the lineup, even though Aaron Hicks should be back and he's healthy as a switch hitter. So you have a left-hander and a switch hitter in the lineup, right? Everybody else is right-handed. Bringing in a guy like Freddie Freeman to play first, a left-handed bat, especially with the short porch at Yankee Stadium, bringing in a guy like Matt Olson, who's a left-handed bat in Yankee Stadium. You know, there's a lot of opportunities there for being able to mix and match, being able to put uh, the lineup together in such a way that it is not easy for the opposing manager. Now, even with all the right-handers in, in the Yankees lineup, I don't think that it's an easy lineup to navigate. As long as they don't bring in a stopgap shortstop like Angelton Simmons. But <laughs> I also think that if the Yankees were to 
you know, bring in a Matt Olson, a Freddie Freeman, you lengthen the lineup to such a degree that there's there's no holes, right? Because think about a lineup like this, right? As we go around the 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 diamond, you have Aaron Judge in right field, right? A healthy Aaron Hicks, who at one point seemed like one of the best center fielders in the game. Health is obviously going to be a huge factor in that, but let's let's assume, let's hope and pray that he's healthy, right? Aaron Judge in right, Aaron Hicks in center, Joey Gallo in left field. Around the infield, DJ LeMayhew at third, Carlos Correa at short, Glaber Torres at second, who would definitely benefit from having a guy like Correa at shortstop. Freddie Freeman or Matt Olson at first base. Gary Sanchez behind the plate. Now, when you take and you flip that that roster right there, right, that starting nine into the lineup, and you add John Carlos Stanton to that, now that's a, a very, very scary and dangerous lineup. At that point, right, if you have, let, let's just let's just play around with this this potential lineup, right? Let's get crazy. DJ LeMahieu leading off, playing third base. Freddie Freeman in that two-hole at first. Judge in right field at third. Stanton in at the DH spot, hitting cleanup, right? Then you have Correa hitting fifth as the shortstop. Gallo sixth. Glaber Torres 7th, Hicks 8th, and Sanchez ninth. Or even if you want to switch and you move Hicks up, Sanchez up, and put Glaber Torres hitting ninth. The level of weakness in that lineup is almost non-existent. To me, it's very important that the New York Yankees go into the free agent season, right? The hot stove season, quote unquote, that really should have already been over because we should have already been having games. But it's very important that the Yankees don't wait. Go hard and go fast, New York. Because for New York, it is going to be paramount that we don't miss another World Series. 12 years have gone by since the last one. It is time that the Yankees get back to being the best team in baseball. It is time that we get our trip once again down the Canyon of Heroes. And in order for that to happen, the Yankees have to be aggressive in free agency They have to look at the luxury tax threshold, whatever number that ends up being, and look past it in the rearview mirror. It is going to be that important because the Yankees must get back to the World Series and must win the World Series. It's been far too long that the Yankees haven't won the World Series. So I want to thank you guys for joining me. Make sure you check out the Baseball Banter Broadcast YouTube channel, the Baseball Banter Broadcast Podcast. Check out our sister channels on YouTube, the We Sibs, uh, the Granite Geek Show, and We Sibs as they cover your favorite tech and tech philosophy as well as your favorite movies and TV shows. 
And make sure you check out all of our merchandise content over on baseballbanterbroadcast.com. So I want to thank you guys for joining me. Make sure you keep it locked in all season as we continue to bring you the latest Yankee coverage here on the Pinstripe Plunge Report. I will catch you guys next week for the next episode. And as always, let's go Yankees.